of beer and talk about uh, all the things we care. So spare a minute of your time. Oh, it's time for. Just brew it. We leave the charm of Dyersville and drive 24 miles north to the historic river town of Guttenberg, Iowa. Nestled in a small limestone valley along the Mississippi River, Guttenberg is a town I've passed many times but never necessarily stopped to admire. I don't know why. I was always on my way somewhere or back from something. It's funny how the most worthwhile things in life pass you by unless you stop to acknowledge them. Once in a blue moon, no, not the beer, you come across someone that makes you want to be better. Catherine, the owner and head brewer of Guttenberg Brewing, happens to be one of those people. At 24, this self-taught brewer, highly knowledgeable business owner, and overall kind person, almost single-handedly reintroduced craft beer to a town that's not seen a local brewery in over a century. How? Why? When and where? Let's find out, shall we? Leaves fall onto my windshield as I drive through the cold. Mariah threatens to sing All I Want for Christmas through my car's sound system. A bit early for the Queen of Christmas, I think to myself. We are, after all, and excuse my language please, still balls deep in spooky season. As I drive further down into the Guttenberg Valley, blurs of bright yellow, violet, and orange pass by on either side of me. I park across the street from Guttenberg Brewing. A Model T car is parked right behind me, as if it's been awaiting the return of its owner since 1908. I enter the brewery to find Catherine drinking tea and prepping for the day's brewing schedule. Although she's clearly busy, she walks over and warmly welcomes me further into the tap house. We claim a table, and I realize, quickly, I forgot my microphones, which are rather important in podcasting. So I walk back to my car and the rogue, weird Model T sitting there, and return to find two beautiful stouts sitting across the table from each other. We give a quick morning beer cheers and begin to talk. Let's up beer. Let's up beer. Let's up beer. Let's up beer. I'm here with Catherine, the owner and head brewer of Guttenberg Brewing Company. We are here, what time is it? At 11.09 in the morning with some stouts that you made that are just fantastic. Great way to start the day. Yeah, nothing like a breakfast beer. That's right. Can you tell me a bit about yourself? So my name's Catherine. I'm originally from Edgewood, which is just some tiny little town in northeast Iowa. Um, Kind of how I started brewing. I uh, went to school at Iowa State University, go clones, and uh, got a food science degree. So food science is super heavy in chemistry, engineering, and then, of course, food safety. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, every 
good story starts with you know drinking beer in college as does mine so i worked <laughs> at a i worked at a brewery when i was in school kind of thinking like oh i'd really like to make wine I'd really like to make beer but i really don't know like what i'm gonna do with my life post-graduation mm-hmm. nor does anyone and i met this friend uh, his name was freddie and he started a company called dorm room brewing which really wasn't a company he just made t-shirts and okay. um, he literally started brewing under his dorm room desk at iowa state ah, um, hence the name hence the name and so we made fast friends and um, he would brew for all of these parties in college because we were just a bunch of nerds who loved beer and loved science and mm-hmm. so we would have pretty much any excuse to drink freddy's beer um, so we made up you know halloween or Labor Day or whatever day it was um, in preparation yeah. of of drinking Fred's beer. And so, you know, him and I became friends and uh, always said that we were going to end up brewing together, um, opening a brewery in a small town somewhere along the way, um, which was, you know, five, six, seven years ago now. Uh-huh. And uh, graduated, went our separate ways. And, you know, I got to the point where I was like, I kind of really want to do this. And I was serious about it. And so I met with Fred and, you know, he was like, I really like my career. I don't really want to leave. And I'm like, but I don't know how to brew beer. (laughs) And he was like, oh, you're going to have to figure it out Mm -hmm. if you want to do this. It's like, shit. Okay. So I taught myself. Um, I bought a homebrew system from some guy who had a midlife crisis and decided to uh, live on a houseboat. Um, much like me a little bit, I guess. Yes, much like you, but you are significantly younger than he was. I (laughs) think he went through a string of divorces and decided to to sell all of it and hide from his ex-wives. I hope he's doing well. Yeah, I hope so too. And I thank him for his brewing equipment. So, (laughs) of course, you know, every good story starts in their parents' garage. So I started uh, making beer in my parents' garage and kind of went from there, knowing, of course, that I was going to open a brewery, but I, you know, didn't know how to brew. Um, I just watched Fred for all these years and still knew basically nothing. And so I had a little baptism by fire. Um, Or hops. Yeah, or hops Mm -hmm. as I was, um, in fact, building the brewery and intending to brew. So I uh, called in the reinforcements, as you will. Um, I have an older cousin and some buddies in the brewing industry and um, who I would work with previously when I, you know, bartended at a brewery when I was in school and mentored from them, um, kind of got my wits about me, read a lot of books, listened to a lot of podcasts, mm-hmm. and uh, just baptism by fire, the whole thing. So um, it's turned out actually quite well. Well, as as these beers give testament to, they're so good. How was the transition between food science and brewing? Were um, they similar? They are and they aren't. So you understand a lot of complex things about brewing, but you have no actual hands-on so mm-hmm. you know when you're in school of course everything's theoretical you talk about you know the energy that it takes to heat and pumps and the types of pumps that you should use and the conversions of the starches and all those things mm-hmm. you don't actually do those things in principle and so as you're making beer for the first hundred times you know you start to think about like oh the reason that they don't recommend you go over 170 for you know this style of beer is because you're you know, converting your starches in a way that gives an astringent flavor or sure. um, you don't want to add your yeast too hot because, you know, of course, yeast is a very sensitive, you know, organism and you can scorch it or kill it or, 
same thing and like why it works well under an oxygenated environment and why it's so important to oxygenate your beer and mm -hmm. how that ends up in the final process where of course you shouldn't do that at the end because then you will oxygenate your actual beer instead of oxygenating your wort and you know oxidate right. and ruin your beer mm -hmm. so it's uh it's one of those things where like every job you take the small points that you've learned through school and kind of use specific things because of course I didn't go to school exactly for brewing right um, but my previous jobs I was in food safety and those definitely helped a lot too just learning about uh, cleaning procedures and sanitation and how to do all those things properly because that's not something they necessarily prepare you for in school although you usually graduate with a food safety certification in order to do that job since we're on the topic of food, let's sneak in some fun facts about the man, the myth, the legend, Gordon Ramsay. Not sure why I feel like talking about him today, but here we are. 1. Soccer, or football as he calls it, was Gordon's dream career before multiple injuries forced him to change his plans. 2. His feet are a UK size 15 the equivalent of a U.S. size 16. All of his shoes, naturally, are custom-made. Three, he is a black belt in karate, so don't overcook your steak. <laughs> Never know what you're going to learn on this podcast. Now, let's get back to beer with Catherine. I am, I'm notoriously just an okay home brewer. Yeah. And I've never had a moment where I've drank what I've made and been like, you know what? Like, I'm good at this and I need to <laughs> give this to people. Was there was there a moment? Obviously, you knew you wanted to do this. Yep. But was there a moment where you were like, man, I am good at this? Ooh, that's so tough. So I always say I'm my own worst critic. Like, I don't think there's anyone on earth that's meaner to me than myself. And so oh. I you know, was really super doubting my abilities two years ago when German Fest came around. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends, um, who's actually a neighbor, was like, hey, I know you homebrew. You should enter your beer in the homebrew contest. And I was like, oh. <laughs> knowing that I'm going to open this brewery, and so did they. They're like, you have to do it. I'm like, fuck, I don't want to. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, like, what if it's shitty? Like, what if I'm the worst beer? And so... I did it and got over myself and I won. I was oh. like, huh, shit, maybe I can make beer. And then I started inviting, you know, other people besides my parents and my husband to taste and people were really enjoying it and commenting. And so I brought it around to my brewing friends who, you know, helped and they're like, oh, here's some critique about these things, you know, work on this, work on your temperature control, work on milling your grains better or mm -hmm. whatever. And so you take those things and take the critique and kind of adjust your batches and your recipes and all those stuff to make your beer better. Sure. There's definitely a lot of fear when you open that people aren't going to like your beer. Oh, um, okay. You know, uh, we are a super small community, so we have like 1,800 published residents Okay. Um, who definitely live at dive bars more than they, you know, attribute going and traveling to breweries mm -hmm. and so you try to make beer styles that are accommodating in terms of like you don't want to do something that's super crazy 
um, because you don't want to scare somebody into thinking that all craft beer is bananas. Okay. So you're trying to make things that are true to style mm -hmm. um, so you can teach them through drinking them um, about what to expect when they order one thing or another. Um, and that has been super helpful kind of of sorts because there's all, you know, there's of course hundreds of published recipes that are quote unquote true to style. And so making those has definitely gained my confidence and my ability to produce good beer. And now we're at to the point where I kind of know sort of what styles I can go crazy on. So of course you're going to go mm -hmm. like IPAs. I right. love making juicy, hazy flavored IPAs. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my favorite beers that I make is a orange cream IPA. Ooh. Yeah. Well, so that sounds really good. When I was younger, I hated IPAs, like with this deep passion. I always thought it was like the brewer's easy way out. Like you couldn't fuck up an IPA, so that's why you made them. A lot of people have that yeah. sentiment. Yeah. Yep. And I was definitely one of those. And I had went to this brewery. Uh, it's called Alluvial. It's north of Ames when I was in school. Okay. And I had my first IPA that I thought was like, noteworthy and it was like an orange cream sickle i think they literally might have thrown thrown push pops like into the brew kettle which <laughs> i thought was like just phenomenal i could not get enough of it and so yeah. of course i went back there like every time i thought it was coming on menu and drank the absolute piss out of it mm -hmm. and um i always said like okay i'm gonna figure out how to make this you know when i got older and uh i did um and although i'm not sure mine's quite as good as that it's pretty dang fantastic man it's, it's funny how beers you drink and drinks you drink bring back memories of, of good times or, or first mm -hmm. beers or, or times with friends. And I love how you're recreating those memories that you've had here in the brewery. I always kind of hope that maybe it's somebody else's first IPA love. Yeah, you could be doing the same mm -hmm. thing for somebody else. I think I have. So I kind of a backstory but um my cousin who brews who helped me brew um he's friends with this guy who decided he was going to start home brewing made one batch went bad so he never brewed again but his dad um was trying to be a trooper and started growing hops for him to oh. home brew with oh no way of course that he never ended up using because he stopped home brewing right and so we ended up using them in a, an ipa called one hit wonder um, I have no idea what kind of hops they are, hence the name One Hit Wonder. So okay. it'll probably come on yearly release if we can secure those hops again. And um, it's a very juicy IPA. Mm -hmm. And up until you know this point, my mom has kind of been maybe squirmish of uh, beer styles, especially IPAs, and this is like her favorite. And now that kind of opened her up and every time she comes here she orders an ipa which is a fun and cool oh, thing to see the cycle continues yes the cycle continues that's so cool yeah which is super funny because like she's kind of an easy drunk and so you know <laughs> i'm making these ipas the one hit wonder was like nine percent so she'd drink like a 10 ounce glass and be like you're gonna have to take me home <laughs> <laughs> i cannot drive <laughs> yeah like, I can do that. <laughs> oh that's funny it wouldn't be a Beer Nomad episode if we didn't talk more about the place we're visiting. Here are some facts about Guttenberg. 1. The town was originally named Prairie La Porte, or Porte, not sure, but it means the door to the prairie, and it was named in the late 17th century by French explorers. 2. Many of the limestone buildings scattered throughout the town are pre-Civil War era buildings. 3. Guttenberg lies adjacent to Lock and Dam Number 10 on the Mississippi. Now, 
Let's talk more about Guttenberg with Catherine. I wanted to to talk about Guttenberg a little bit, which is where we are now. Mm-hmm. It's a historic river town. I would drive through Guttenberg every time I would go to the Twin Cities where I went to college. I always felt like it was missing something. Not that it wasn't beautiful, but yeah. but I would drive around and and look around and and there wasn't a place for community to gather or um and I'm wondering if you you noticed that before yeah, I coming here. Totally did. So you know, when I was younger and I had this, you know, pipe dream that I was gonna open a brewery or a winery, you know, you think hard about where you want it to be and where it would be successful and then you look at your hometowns and you're like, Could I make it work here? And you look at this like vibrant little beautiful city who has every inclination of having you know this wonderful community and then there's nobody to put their money where their mouth is and say we're gonna do this I'm gonna do this you know I want to be here I want to stake my claim I want to make this a successful place Mm -hmm. we have all these tourists we have the population to support it and we just have nobody to do it and I was like got to the point where I was like fuck it I'm that's me yeah 24 Uh like what's the worst that can happen we do this till I'm 35 and then it sucks and I sell it and do something else with my life like I'm not gonna wait till I'm 40 and everybody has moved on from coming here to you know do it to to do this dream that I've thought about for the last since I turned 18 and so you kind of get to this point where it's like you talk to people and you're like, well, I'm going to do it. So I want to do it. And mm-hmm. you're either going to help me or you're not. And uh, I've had a utmost welcome in Gothenburg for sure. So I think one of the first people I talked to was, of course, the people that I wanted to purchase the land from that we're sitting on now. Right. And it was a an economic development group. And so to submit for them, you have to make a business plan, which of course took me, you know, probably a hundred hours and 27 pages of time. I bet. Yeah. And so, you know, you go and sit down with the president who also happens to be a banker and you're like, I don't have that much money, but I think we can make this work. And he's like, Oh yeah. I'm like, are you sure? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you really sure? And you're like, yep. And he's like, also you should apply for these grants. Like, there's a couple other options in town and people looking to give money towards, you know, this, this welfare of our community. And we think you'd be a, a great source. I'm like, okay, what do I have to do to apply? Fill out this document. I'm like, all right. So I applied. And the first grant that I received was like $10,000, um, a grant to purchase that the land that we sit on now are part of the land that we sit on now, mm-hmm. uh, which was essential when your cash flow is super low because you're trying to save to buy all everything else that you need to put yeah. forward. And I, you know, attribute a lot to the early success of that $10,000, which, you know, was kind of a drop in the bucket of the end total, but but money in the right time in the right place makes a, a huge difference. A huge difference, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's a beautiful building also. I love how the, the, the stone matches all of the riverfront yeah. houses and yeah. so my, really fits in. My father-in-law is a contractor. Um, he's actually the person who built this place, but um, he's done all residential homes and refurbishing his entire life. Um, mm-hmm. And so this is kind of one of his uh, final 
projects, you will say. Uh, he's kind of edging towards retirement. And I told him okay. that I was going to do this. And, you know, since we've known each other, which has been, you know, five, six years now since I met my husband, uh, um, he's always been like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, oh, yeah. And one day we finally sat down. I was like, look, Kevin, I'm doing this. I want you to build it. Will you help me? He's like, okay. Like, oh, that was easy. Yeah. So, it didn't take much yeah, uh, convincing. Yeah, not at all. Um, so I have uh, two brother-in-laws and a sister-in-law. And my two brother-in-laws, one is uh, about 40 and runs a, a framing crew in Madison. And he came down. And then I have one who had just graduated college um, and was home kind of in between his internships and co-ops and stuff. And uh, they okay. ended up helping their dad. So it's definitely a family business. And yeah. now my mother-in-law... Um, is my bar manager. No so, way. yeah, it's, it's family through and through. Wow. And your mom helps with the, the marketing yeah, as well. And my, right? my mother, um, is a marketing ex- executive for the last 30 years. And so she does a lot of my marketing, which saves me a lot of time and brings me a lot of customers. So if you've ever seen my Facebook page, we have every event and daily posting and beer specials. And you wouldn't believe how much work she puts in. And I'm thankful for her very, very much. Yeah. Well, well, you know what though is, is it's great that family helps. It's great Mm -hmm. that people help, but in the end it comes down to beer Yeah. and you do know what you're doing Mm -hmm. and what we're having right now is fantastic. So you you have to be proud of of yourself in that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's definitely a acquired skill. You know, you don't know everything at first. Like mm-hmm. every time you start a new job, this is, you know, no different. And being an owner and a brewer means that you have to have a skill of just about a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, I take my beer recipes very seriously. Um, I try not to put out anything that I'm not proud of or don't think could be better. Mm-hmm. And every time I make a batch just gets a little bit better, hopefully. So, that's and awesome. that's kind of the goal of, you know, being a good brewer is improving upon and not accepting that everything is perfect because it's not, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just trying to make yourself and your business a little bit better every single day. I wanted to thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm. I wanted to finish with one final question, if that's all right. Mm-hmm. It may not be a good question, or a particularly thought out question really to ask a brewer. But um, but why do you brew? Mm. Because I have to isn't really a great answer, um, but because I have to and because I love it. So there's, you know, there's a lot of methodical um, parts to to owning a business and a lot of, I don't know, things that you don't necessarily enjoy. Um, something about myself is that I've always really enjoyed manual labor. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason I've never hired an uh, official brewer is because I like to do it myself. So yeah. I'd much rather hire an accountant and a business manager than a brewer because it's, you know, the reason that I started this. And um, I love it. It's fun. It's exciting. It's new. But it's also the same process over and over. And you get to see the small techniques that you change or improve upon or recipes in your final product. And that is something that is hard to relay onto someone else or bring them to, I don't want to say trust, but like ensure that they also care the same amount that you do because right. it, you know, your, your product is your business. And, uh, if I, I don't know if I was hiring a brewer, or just made the recipe and then the beer didn't turn out as good and they didn't know how to fix it or didn't take the initiative to, I think that'd be really difficult for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's clear that there's very much passion behind Guttenberg 
Brewing Company. I wanted to thank you, yeah, Catherine, for sitting down and talking with me. I really enjoyed the beer. I enjoyed the conversation. And um, I want to encourage everyone to stop by and check out the good beer and say hi to Catherine. Yeah, please do. I'm usually here six days a week, so. Okay. You have a uh, six out of seven chance to come and say yeah, hi. pretty much. <laughs> when in Guttenberg, don't forget to stop for some Overlook honey. Late spring to mid-November, this small honey stand sells delicious varieties of honey. A quick story. Uh, when I stopped for honey on my way into the city, the seller saw my van, which says the beer nomad and she told me I'm going to start a podcast called the honey nomad so when inevitably the honey nomad van overshadows my humble podcast similar to a star is born scenario remember where the honey nomad got its start from additionally check out Joe's Pizza and Arcade a couple blocks away from Guttenberg Brewing they have a jalapeno popper pizza that might be, honestly, one of the best pizzas I've ever had. I wanted to conclude by noting how we all can learn from Catherine's great attitude towards life. If you want to open a fantastic brewery at 24, learn how to brew and make it happen. Thank you for listening to the Beer Nomad podcast. With new episodes every Tuesday, there are so many more stories to hear and places to visit. For photos, updates, and general shenanigans, check out my Facebook or Instagram at the Beer Nomad Band. I'm sensing something spooky coming up next week. But until then, have good beer and be good to each other. Cheers. <laughs>